and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Uh, ben Clark is alongside me this weekend whilst Marcel has uh, gone off gallivanting around the place. So it's just Ben and I here today, but we've got so much to talk about. We're just going to look back at those six epic races before Christmas. Uh, sorry, we missed the podcast in between there. Um, just Christmas got away from me, got a little cold. Not COVID, thankfully. I would have been... Uh, <laughs> thankfully negative tests all around over christmas period but let me take you back to the first of those races that we looked at pre-christmas which was um val gardena super g that was kilda picking up another win meyer and Kriegmeier on the podium the downhill was probably the surprise of the weekend with bryce bennett streeding and hinterman uh, an unusual podium for the downhill the women then raced in val d'Isere. they raced a downhill which was godgiers yet again with uh, breezy johnson in second and puchner in third and then in the super g godgier yet again taking the top step with mo winkle in second and cortoni in third then it was alta badia for classic giant slalom action henrik christopherson back on the top step of the gs podium with odomat in second place manu feller taking a position third um, and on the second day, Pantro absolutely smashed it over a second in front of Diali Prandini, who was second, and Schmid was in third. Not a great weekend for um, he said, he said, uh, he said, Pantro smashed it. It was Odomat smashed it. Odomat smashed it. Yeah, was just, <laughs> Pantro did not smash it. Thank you, Ben. Um, <laughs> that's why you're here, the stat man. <laughs> just result checker. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Pantro certainly did not have a smashing weekend, 15th and 18th in those giant slaloms. So a weekend to forget for Alexi. The women then were in Courchevel for double giant slalom for their last set of races before Christmas. Schifrin on the top step. Sarah Hector continuing a good early form in second with Gissin in third. Bassino, another DNF for her. Uh, and then day two, surprise, Sarah Hector, first time on the top step of the podium since 2014, Schifrin in second, Bassino finally finding the finish line and coming in in third. And then the last set of races before Christmas was that epic night slalom, which for the British fans was an oh-so-close uh, race there for our first ever World Cup win. But Foss Solovag, lucky, maybe, uh, took up the took up the uh, top step of the podium with Lexi Pantero, a very credible second place with Christopher Jakobsen finishing on the podium yet again. It was Clement Noel's race though, wasn't it? With him DNFing right at the last hurdle. Uh, Dave Riding was fourth, ended up with a DNF. Bit of a struggle there for the Frenchman to swallow after tricky, tricky, tricky time. Ben, after my... Uh, uh, mishap a lot of results <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of results half an hour later did you have a cup of tea um let me let me uh cast your mind back we we'll just quickly go through some of these results looking at some of the the bigger talking points back in val gardena what did you make of val gardena it looked fun that looked like a really fun uh race the uh the roles of val gardena look just so difficult to time yeah. the entire way along those that if, if people weren't getting the timing right on those various kind of traverse roles it was just ruining the entire run for them so it was very much if you don't get this right it's game over for your run but quite a lot of different tactics as well being used in there it's really fun to watch 
Um, uh, it's really fun to watch and, and try and work out exactly what the quickest route through there is. Um, I guess in the in the Super G, things kind of went a little bit to, to form or to what we'd normally expect with Kilda, Meyer and Creekmeyer. But uh, I think that the downhill was where the big surprise happened with, with Bryce Bennett, Otmar Streedinger and, and Niels Hinterman, really, although all very capable downhillers, not a podium you would ever have picked um, in, in advance of the race. The most, I guess, the most, uh, I guess, the predictable guys, Paris and, and Foyts there in fourth and fifth were, were kind of close to half a second back. So really, a, really a big surprise in the downhill. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't manage to catch that one live, but I recorded it and was watching it later, but I saw the results come in and I expected to, when I turned my TV screen on to see blizzard conditions or some sort of reason why we might see such an unusual podium um but no it was a properly legitimate win bryce bennett finding some form that we saw from him a couple of seasons ago didn't we two seasons ago last season he wasn't really uh, scoring top results um but then to him for him to come and score uh, first place was pretty epic but the americans do tend to go well in val Gardena with uh, Steve Nyman sort of history there and uh, they do I remember when I raced World Cup in Val Gardena um, we always used to stay with the Americans we used to do a lot of traveling with the American team uh, and it, the, the feel in camp was always different when you were in Val Gardena the guys just sort of seemed to find this confidence that it was almost like a home from home for them so Bryce Bennett picking up a world you know and a left field win which is unfair but you know an unusual win there in terms of form going and streeting has picked up podium before but we haven't seen his best for a while and nils hintman much has been promised from him though hasn't it been over the last uh, couple of seasons we always hear about the coaches and and the uh, swiss ski federation saying nils hintman is the next guy to watch he's going to be doing big things and and since that win i think it was in wengen in uh, an alpine combined i think my brain is ticking over very slowly um but i think you know he has not really done an awful lot from them he was one of those people wasn't he ben where you're like i don't know he's going to be the guy that's between like 10th and 6th or something yeah it's it's a tough one especially when you know either the federation or the press in your country starts to big you up at a young age you know once you've only had one or two results and all of a sudden you're you're being touted as the guy to watch when Foyt's retires or, or something along those lines. No one wants yeah. to be that kind of heir apparent, <laughs> especially when the person in front of you is an absolute superstar. Um, but Foyt seemed to handle it pretty well when Didier Couch retired. Everyone was like, yeah. oh my God, how are we ever going to replace Didier Couch and all the podiums he'd pick up on a yearly basis? And Foyt just said, yeah, I got this. Um, so it'll be it's interesting like, um, to see if Hinterman rolls in uh, when Foyt's decides to go. Every Italian's been doubted, um, every Italian slalom ski has been touted as the next Alberto Tomba, haven't they? I mean, we heard it from Manfred Mole, Giorgio Rocca, then uh, Razzoli, and now the, you know, the next Alberto Tomba is Vinazza, which is actually probably more apt in terms of the way that they both used to ski and the sort of lifestyle that they both sort of uh, from from the outside anyway seem to, to live. <laughs> um but yeah anyway so he skied exceptionally well let's um spin straight on to the women's racing in Val d'Isère Goggia yet another double victory uh, unstoppable in the speed events at the moment especially with um Lara Gutbarami picking up a spot of covid which obviously I can't remember Got it so what long ago now? I can't remember if it was, it must have been before Val d'Isère or before Courchevel. I think it must have been before Val d'Isère because otherwise she would have been in the mix anyway. Um, Breezy Johnson is, is the most consistent challenger to her, really. Um, she is the first couple races. She didn't quite look like herself this year, but 
last year, I remember we had a, a spell where she was picking up third places every every week behind Gojira and, and Goot Barami, and she was everyone's kind of, well, if one of those two skis out, I'll pick up some more points if I pick her this week. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see her back back to form. And, and also, there's, there's, I guess, not necessarily a surprise, but the the Austrian women's speed team seem to be dotting in a few podiums this yeah. year, which has put has had a really good start to the year. Um, hopefully not peaking too soon with the Olympics uh, round, round the corner. But yeah, there's Siebenhofer and fourth in that race as well. Um, uh, so it's, it's good to see that they're not just kind of loitering in the kind of back of the top 10 like we've seen for periods. I know Marcel's always spoken very highly of uh, Nina Rortley, who's out injured at the moment, but it does seem to be the thing that they have a you know Schmidhofer had that epic result a couple of years ago and then blew her knee up and then you know is, is still coming back from that injury yeah. and they seem to have a good result and then a big injury um so it's good to see Puckner certainly kind of showing showing some form at the start of this year yeah and in the super g Johnson not quite as quick as she had been the previous day she was down in ninth so that was slightly disappointing from her perspective somebody coming back from injury though Ben you talk about injury Movenkel back on the podium for her which was pretty good the Italian women yes another podium but this time a bit of uh, another unsuspecting lady picking up that spot on the podium yeah Elena Cotone was re- really good that day I mean the obviously Goggia doing doing her thing no one's no one seems to be able to touch her at the moment but it was it was a really close run thing with, with Brignoni who's finding a bit of form in speed again uh, she struggled quite a bit last year coming back from that overall win the season before uh, but she was just a hundredth off Katoni in the end, so it was it was a really close run thing. I, I didn't think I didn't think Katoni quite had the speed at the bottom of the run because uh, obviously Brignoni was already on, on the podium in the finish, but she just snuck in front. It was really good, and that you know Italian women's speed team is is having a, a great time of it at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, ominously quick with uh, Goggia just seeming to pick up podiums left, right, centre, a little bit like how Schifrin has been doing it in the tech events uh, men were then back in action in Alta Badia and it was Christofferson uh, picked up that first win and then Odemap smashed it for that second win what do you make of those highlights of that little set of races incredibly tough piece as usual yeah it, it was I didn't think it was like re- like unbearably difficult I mean it's a it's known to be one of the hardest GS hills to ski but I thought I didn't think it looked you know terrible there were you know there were people competing from you know outside of the top few bib numbers which are yeah. some of the complaints when the when the conditions aren't great and to be honest it was just great to see Christopherson with that fight back in his skiing and being able to put two whole runs together without absolutely binning it at some point um you know like the passion on his face I mean you know he's been a bit of a kind of uh, a pet project of yours to kind of give him some, some abuse when he throws his hissy fits <laughs> but you do you do want to see him skiing at his best Oh, and it's all well and good having the, the kind of the passion and the fieriness when it's not going well, but it's really good to see it going somewhere now and, and kind of he's starting to find some form. Obviously, it's a, there's been a bit of talk about a change in his, in his equipment in terms of like how these edges are being uh, uh, tuned. Um, I think the, the, the commentary on, on Eurosports mentioned a couple of times, like a new, I don't know if it's a stone or a grind that he's got on his edges. Yeah, he's but, been working, they've been working really, really closely with, I can't remember which company it is that makes the um, the uh, filing, the, the um, electric, what's it called? 
I'm going to say winter steak. Oh, that yeah, sounds, but sounds, that, but it's sounds Austrian. Those, yeah, it's not one of those. It's not that one, but it's one of them. They've been working really closely together, you know, side by side, creating something that Christofferson will get on with. So, you know, classic Christofferson tinkering left, right, and centre. And we've said that actually that hasn't really paid, that hasn't really done in that well, has it, in, in the last couple of seasons? But, you know, maybe it's starting to pay off now because it, he did need that. And yeah, I do give him a bit of crap for being a, a bit of a prima donna, but I actually. I really enjoy it because it's it brings something else and it, you know yes sometimes he's, he's over the top and and a bit out there but we don't always need polished PR just convey oh, no, de of... definitely definitely not um, the, the good thing anyway. on that race the good thing on, on that race as well with Manny Feller picking up another GS podium like really showing he's got kind of multiple um you know ways he can ski and and you know it, it can only serve his slalom skiing well to have that kind of touch on the longer boards as well because obviously when he was just skiing slaloms a few years ago he was just sat so far back and everything was just if I can hang on to the finish I might be faster than you know Christopherson and uh, and, and, and Marcel Hirscher whereas now he's like rounded his skiing off a bit more to, to to really I mean what's quite impressive is watching the line fella take sometimes in GS you're like oh wow He's, he's, he's going for the Odomat line. He's just chopping the entire turn off and watching him pull it off. You're like, okay. He's, he's obviously looked at the line. He takes his time. and I reckon I can do that in GS as well. Um, Odomat back on the top step of the podium where he sort of seems to have made it his own in giant slalom by a considerable margin over a second. Zielik Prandini found um, some World Cup form to go with his uh, World Champs form from last season. Uh, Schmidt back on the podium. But I think, I mean, in general, Odomat... What can you say about the guy skiing incredibly well? But I think the main talking point is Pantero, who'd really, really struggled 15th day one, 18th day two, and has basically said himself um, that the overall challenge has now gone. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't really know. Obviously, we have a, a, a slight inside track of this camp, but probably not inside his head in terms of, is he really trying to win the overall this year not this is not that this is a ruse that he's deliberately skiing so now but is he really aiming for February is he aiming to get all his oh, equipment set up to what he's going to see in, in Beijing it's all well and good getting your set up ready for do you mean uh, at the start you know, of the season do you mean at, at the very yeah start like yeah. if he was honest with himself at the start of the year was he saying I want to retain the overall globe and win the Olympics or was he saying okay the Olympics are my priority I'll yeah. ski my absolute best but I don't want to be exhausted doing every possible event. If you think of what Vlahova got to last year, if she tried to take the schedule she had last year into this year, mm. there's no way she'd be in a fit state to win the Olympics. She might be able to do it in the slalom, but she'd, she'd run herself into the floor. And, and, and perhaps that's might be what uh, uh, Pantero has been doing in terms of perhaps almost thinking a bit further in front of, okay, let's, let's get the skis ready for whatever type of snow we're going to have in Beijing and who knows what that's going to look like. I think he has now. I don't think he would have gone into the season thinking that. I think he would have gone into the season looking to defend that title. Um, but he's been quite open with it. And we talked a lot about um, the length of skis that, that uh, these guys are skiing on. So a lot of them are now skiing on a longer giant slalom ski. Um, I think they're at 198 now that the vast majority are using. And we saw uh, Fevre use it at World Champs. Do you remember talking about that? As, as there was, yeah, was, was it like the last race before World Champs? He he busted yeah. out the long skis and then everyone else went, oh, he went really fast. Do we, should we, should we maybe yeah. uh, swap as well? And yeah, exactly. It's, it's so really much. interesting to, to yeah. see these guys like 
mess with stuff like that. obviously when the days when we were racing you had like you know you might have had multiple sets of skis but they were all the same they were the same length they're all the same radius you didn't have different choices you like the only choices were your waxes and your edge angles rather yeah. than different length skis um for for any given event um so it seems interesting to see these guys messing around with 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 that kind of mid-season as well. And obviously they're, they're all ridiculously talented skiers. They can make any skis work for them better than most of us can 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 get on the most perfectly tuned skis. But it really does seem to be causing Pantero problems to, to find that speed that just came so naturally. And it's almost like we were talking about with Christofferson for the last couple of years. His skiing doesn't look wrong. It's just not fast anymore. Like you look at him go down, you don't think that's slow. But you just see Odomat and you go, holy crap, that's fast. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't really see what Pantro is doing. It just isn't comfortable. You know, he's not really making mistakes. It's just it doesn't have that natural speed. And, and with it, the confidence. If you don't have the confidence, how the, the line, like we said with Fella, the lines these guys take, you have to have ultimate confidence in yourself and your equipment to be able to pull those, some of those lines off. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to the start of the season, actually. And Marcel's not here to either tell me that I'm being an idiot or um, tell me to shut up. But I, I think I'm going to go back to the start of the season with the um, that Solden GS. And Pantro put down a really, really good second run, really good second run. And I think he thought he'd done enough to win. And then Odomat came down and blew him out of the water, really. And I think that he was there. He then became feeling he then started really feeling the pressure and becoming sort of a bit I don't know not not nervous or just feeling feeling that Odomat's got something over on him and he needed to find something else so I then think that from that from that race on he's been really pressurizing himself and trying to find something new because Odomat's so fast um yeah that's that's my opinion on it anyway but you know that I, who knows but he looks to have found something at least he's got his form in slime which we'll come on to in a second but let's talk about uh, the women's GS in Courchevel, that looked great. The snow conditions were really good. Schifrin looked unstoppable in race one. Sarah Hector, great to see her on the podium, get in again. Uh, second race, Sarah Hector on the top step. So pleased to see another name at the top of the top of the table on the race, on the World Cup, because it just means that, you know, not, not everybody wants to see Schifrin or Vlahova win every single race because it just becomes you know it, it just becomes a bit boring so yeah some some of us want tessa to win um. <laughs> exactly um so yeah Schifrin second bacino who'd been who's dnf multiple times a season uh coming in in third what do you reckon what do you make of it uh, well i was going to say what, what do you make of bacino is she, is she trying too hard to find that speed she had last year okay it's, it's so go, go on yeah i'm just like i think i've seen like there's been the odd kind of hip skid which, which is normally just trying to get into the turn too early and get your body over before your legs, you know, before the edges have picked up the turn and bits and pieces. But I, I don't necessarily see anything consistently going wrong, but she must be pushing a tiny bit too hard. But then with Schifrin back and flying and Hector finding this kind of form, maybe similarly she's tr like feeling that pantero pressure of I've got to do everything to get every ounce of speed. And it's just going the, you know, over the edge of that. Uh, yeah. you know risk level yeah too she, often what is she she won half of the gs's last season on the women's tour and then this year dnf'd in the first round and then killington did she dnf in killington as well or did she just no no that race was cancelled um, yeah then, gs was cancelled 
I'm trying to rack my brains to where the other GS was, but she just didn't quite, I feel like it's a little bit like Pancho. Yeah, she DNF'd in the first one, that's unsettled her. And then she realizes she's got to pick up big points at every single round and she's just risking slightly too much. We saw it last season, a couple of times when she DNF'd, it was because she went inside, didn't really have that platform yet. And that's all about timing, I think. Um, but obviously the women are probably pushing really, really hard um, to sort of in training as well. So maybe she's not quite as quick as she wanted to be in training and then puts extra pressure herself on in the race. But she's all but said bye bye to that title with you can't DNF that many times and still expect to be right at the top level. Can yeah. You? But and, and like you said, it was great. It was great for Hector because she looked truly happy with the oh, obviously maybe. who would who wouldn't be truly happy but also Schifrin as well I think there was a couple of clips going around on on the socials of Schifrin saying you know that you know brilliant stuff you know let's go again in in Lienz. um obviously that didn't end up happening because Schifrin uh, unfortunately tested positive for COVID but that kind of you know awesome, awesome like you know great job you got the better of me today let's let's go again next week which is one of the good things when you know you've got races coming every week you can mm. have that kind of you know uh, competitiveness that drives you on and it's not just one rival it's you've got to look out for multiple people and I think probably one of the biggest misses uh and I need to just check the results before I get it completely wrong um was I think Robinson missed both Courcheval races didn't she because she got COVID yeah um so it's really I say it's taken its toll on the on the season it's frustratingly robbing us of some good uh races or extra people in the mix that we know would be there because you know Robinson on her day could have been on that pod either of those podiums as well because yeah, she, especially in yeah. and, and Goot as well especially you know and on some of those hills that have got the big steep sections in and we know Robinson absolutely loves those kind of race hills so it's a, it's a bit of a shame but obviously we can't always be talking about uh, Covid although it is very much a big part of our world right now yeah, um, I know you're 100% right. Yeah, there's a lot of big names missing, but I don't... As long as Schifrin's racing, I think that gives, as much as that may do other others a disservice, as long as Schifrin's in the race, you know, you, you've, you've beaten the best of the best, haven't you? Um, yeah. So I think that... It, it's always going to be a, an issue this season, the COVID thing, and again, we'll touch on that in a, in a little bit, but... Um, frustrating but at the same time all athletes are in the same boat and you've just got to take these precautions you know you've got to be really really careful and really really sensible um okay quickly on to madonna for that night slalom uh, foss solovag on the lucky side of uh, ski racing wasn't wasn't he with uh, that win uh, and unfortunately the other side of that coin was dave riding uh oh, no sorry the same side of the coin with uh Clemma Noel is Dave riding after promising so much and then uh, being fourth after the first run, unfortunately just picking up a, a bit of a straddle there. Yeah, but I tell you what, he is skiing really well at the moment. I mean, he, he yeah, he pushed a tiny bit too tight on the second run, but he was going for the win. He wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a really good, like, you know, top 10 finish. He was like, I can, I can win this race and was skiing like, I know it was really early on in the second run, but he absolutely shot out of that start gate and I was on the edge of my seat getting going quite mental. Yeah, um, me, me, too, <laughs> me too, try and make sure my mic was off when I'm screaming at... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also for the Brits, he was good with, with Laurie getting the second run from all the yeah. way back at 48. He absolutely sent that first run. That was brilliant. A brilliant watch. Um, was off. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and then the second run was probably a bit safe considering the, the, the run he put down on the first run, but... 
Um, and also good good to see Billy back because uh, I think they said he'd, he'd had a bit of an injury, so it's yeah, good to kind of see him back on the. Back, yeah. yeah, it's good to good to see him at least back on the start list. And all three of those guys, they seem to be pushing each other really well um, at the moment. So you know, whatever you're doing, guys, keep it up. And uh, Dave can't wait for the next one. Yeah, he uh, he was really gutted after I was speaking to him after I spoke to his coaches and stuff. And it just is what it is, isn't it? Slalom, just, just like every, like you're supposed to do out of a combination, try to cut underneath the, the, of that double pole and uh, millimetres the wrong side of it. But charging, I really like to see it. I was sort of, Nick Fellows and I were talking about it uh, between run, before the first run. And Nick had said, where, where would you want Dave to finish the first run if he's going to win? And I said... I want it to be fourth because he's not on the podium. So he's not got anything to defend. He's not got anything to defend. Yeah. He's got anything to lose. If he wants to get on the podium and win, he has to charge. And so when I saw him in, in that fourth place, I just was, um, yeah, I was getting a bit excited as were all the Brits. And I'm, um, I know Dave hates it when we talk about him potentially winning World Cups, but you can't, you know, when you're skiing as quick as he is, He's got to be in the mix in terms of being talked about a potential winner. Um, but let's uh, take our GB hats off and just look at the race. Clemmer Noel, oh my word, over a second and falls just a momentary lapse of concentration. He talked about it, didn't he, Ben, in his interview after the race, if anybody missed it. He said that he just switched off. Um, you know, he heard he heard uh, the time difference on the tannoy. It shows you how cool, calm and collected he is when he's listening to the tannoy on his way down that he knew that he was leading on that final split. And then just, you know, his mind wandered and, a, you know, a really small, innocuous mis mistake just catapulted into a huge just, mistake and, and, and out. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, it shows you should definitely be more in the zone when you're racing so you don't hear things like that. Um, I used to try and make sure I couldn't hear my coaches on the way past saying how slow I was going um, or how wrong my line was uh, when you go past wherever the coaches were all congregated on the course um, or any swearing coming my way for not doing whatever the instructions were. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very rare to hear someone at that level admit that they switched off mid-run. You might presume it sometimes when you see people make mistakes. You know, we see people straddling first gates, second gates, messing up right at the bottom, those kind of things that just mean you, you're you just not quite in the right frame um, of mind. But yeah, that was a, a very strange one for, for Noel to have to deal with. But you know what? He'd, he'd probably rather get it out of the way now than, um, you know, in, a, in that yeah. Olympic uh, second run. Yeah, he won't uh, do it Because that'll be a lesson a he can... Yeah, he'll be thinking about that every second run he does or every first run he does for the foreseeable future now. Yeah. Um, but he is skiing so fast. I mean, Foss Olivag looked pretty great in that race. And Noel had obliterated him up to that point. But he was, was he there for over a second? Over a second, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was so, and like you said, like this, you can see the speed, but it, you, you can't like with Hershey you used to see the power go down mm. like every turn. Whereas with no, you almost don't see him trying. It's a bit like Odeman in GS. Yeah. yeah. He's got such a delicate touch on his skis and just seems to take a slightly more direct line that others just can't live with and don't have that touch on their skis. But yeah, bloody, bloody good though. But um, yeah. yeah. Do we need to talk about the Razzoli Renaissance? Oh, go for it. Yeah, go on. He's that that boy is coming back. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I say boy, he's grown ass. He's older than both of us, Ed, is uh <laughs> is Rat Um, but he's he's 
he's hung around for a really long time. Every time you think, just hang hang it up, mate, you're, you're done. Uh, like certain he who shall not be named Austrian, who I thought had hung up the boots and then they gave him a start and I got enraged. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ratzak, like he's, he's spent the last few years outside of the top 30 and then he slowly clawed his way back into starting in the top 30 and finished up seventh in that race. And he's had a cut, I think he'd had a top 10 in one of the earliest slaloms as well. So he is really skiing like his, like his old self because you know he was olympic champion was, was when you were in vancouver wasn't it, it was like 2010 yeah, yeah. um you know it's an absolute feels like a lifetime ago um but i'm so impressed with his skiing because there were times where it just looked like he was just like never going to change his style of skiing and just chug along forever whereas now it feels like he's actually kind of adapted a little bit to get some speed back so i'm, I'm really really impressed with him do you think that him and Manfred Mulg are like Zimmer frames at the ready in the finish area to then like scoot their way back to the car where they put on their slippers and they recline, read the paper, have a snooze uh, between races? Between races, between runs, yeah, there's probably like a mobility skater for it. Remember, there used to be the thing people used to say about uh, Herman Meyer towards the end of his career, like when he wasn't in ski boots, if you saw him walking around it was painful to watch. He was like, he was in so much pain with all of his joints and injuries he's had over the years. But then once he clipped his skis on and pushed out of the start gate, it was like, okay, I'm just going to pause all of this agony yeah. for a minute and a half and then it's going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, Alan Baxter used to have the same thing. He used to be in tremendous pain outside of uh, that sort of 45 to, to a minute worth of slalom skiing to then <laughs> just sort of pause the pain but no no it's, it's it's great to see him back and I think considering he was um starting a couple of seasons ago he was back starting in the 60s to have that drive still when you've been Olympic champion you've won World Cups uh, before uh, and then you're having to start at the back with all the youngsters having sort of a big fall from grace and then have the dogged determination to actually go do you know what I've still got it and I've still got the hunger and I've still got the drive. And he goes back into the 13, he's back into the 10. And actually on on his day, he may rely on a couple of mistakes from others to pick up a podium, but you know, who, who does, you know, sometimes everyone does. You know what he's like when the weather's not great um, and who knows what's going to be going on in, in Beijing. We get the really rubbish, soft snow and imported from somewhere and, yeah, who and knows? Start, what the big, start the, raining. I wonder what's the biggest gap between uh, Olympic title to you know another Olympic title is. I wonder what the biggest gap in terms of that was. There you go, Statman. One for you. Um, but we, get get Google we, working on that one. Yeah, yeah right. Or um, yeah, Ski DB, with um, which is a great website. We talked about it before. Actually, yeah, head over to there if you want any crazy stats. Um, but right, let's um, let's skip back to the near present uh for the latest round um which was liens for the ladies with uh tessa warley ben tessa warley you've told me yes you, tell me you picked her for your i did pick her of course i picked tessa <laughs> uh, the curse Pet is broken the curse <laughs> in second and sarah, sarah hector back on the podium again no shiffrin this weekend big covid announcement um so no shiffrin uh in the slalom um, Vlahova, Liensberger, who's back on the podium again, and uh, Gissin. What do you? What are your highlights of Liens? I mean, uh, is, there is only one highlight, and that is Tessa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, obviously it was great to see. And as, as soon as I saw that Shifrin announcement um, that she had COVID, I, I don't know why, but I just thought, I tell you what, that will that will spur on some people. And the conditions didn't look great in Liens for the no. GS. I don't know what it was about it. It didn't look 
like bad the whole way down the piece but on gates where there was a bit of a rut forming it just turned into a hole really quickly i don't but think we saw i don't think they injected the piece for the ladies and they don't always inject the piece so i think maybe just and it's very very dark so you also don't get the sunlight on it to warm the snow to then you know yeah ice naturally underneath so there were a few um yeah just people skis bouncing off in ruts and it's not like when it's a high speed race where you see the foot bouncing three or four times before the ski comes up. I think Wendy Holden was one of the victims of that. Her foot just kind of went into a rut and came out without her ski attached to it anymore. Um, and which you shouldn't be happening at Bib 16 on, on the first run of a, uh, oh no, second run, sorry, of a, uh, of, of, of a GS, but you know, great from Tessa. She's always got that aggressive style where she will make mistakes, but she will take risks where, a lot of the other women in the race don't. That's the, the I guess that that difference. And, and Sarah Hector's taking those risks right now, which is why she got another podium. And obviously the Nova Hover will. Um, but sometimes when you see that gap between the podium and that kind of next tranche of races, it's just like they, they just don't take the same level of risk sometimes as as, as the winners. And and you know Tessa's never going to be found wanting when it comes to to, to taking a risk. Is uh, good little... good to see Basina get a finish in there as well though in, in in sixth after we talked about her struggles in the in the first part of the episode. I was a bit I was a little bit concerned for Wally on the second run. I wasn't sure uh, if you had managed to. I mean I know you were very sure, but I wasn't sure whether she'd have <laughs> the. Uh... I don't know, mental toughness again makes it sound like I'm saying that she's not mentally strong. But I just, I thought she might not be able to hold on to that lead because Vlahova had a pretty good run and I think it just sent a bit of a message up to the start. And um, and I just sort of f- thought that with those bumps and ruts, it may not, because because Wally can be, as we all know, quite hot and cold. Some days she's absolutely flying and wins a World Cup and the other time she's, you know, struggling back in the sort of late teens. And I c- kind of thought that maybe with those bumps and stuff, it might just not suit her. But I was yeah, happy to be proved wrong for her to get another World Cup win. And there were a couple of the couple of the Austrians, I think, uh, Katarina Huber and Katarina Trooper both had like started quite early and were, were picking up a whole ton of places on the second run, doing that kind of charging up the field and people with like fairly massive first run leads were getting nowhere near. And it was like, well, has it just cut up too much? Is it going to be one of those days where if you haven't got a, a second yeah. advantage from the first run, you've got no chance. But those those top few kind of showed that they were the kind of the, the class above. And, and she, I mean, you know, I was nervous for Tessa as well, because like you said, she, you know, she does have mistakes in there. So when the piece is a lot more bumpy, and you're known for risk taking. There's more chance of getting yeah. caught out and kicked out of those ruts. But um, uh, that means I'm just going to keep picking Tessa till she retires. So yeah, <laughs> that's my GS picks for the next five years. Sorted. Yeah, I think I've marked those in already. Um, <laughs> on the slalom side, Vlahova yet again uh, wins, wins and wins in some style. Uh, Leonsberger back on the podium, which is great news for the Austrians. Yes, yeah, she's not been looking quite herself so far this year. So it's good to see her ski a lot more like like herself really mm. to be honest with you um Vlahova, celebrated she... like it was a win though didn't she 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 uh, afterwards mm. she was because i think we've talked about it with the bassino we've talked about it with pantero and uh, and leonsberger sort of in that same boat had such a stellar season last year and really struggled this year and been nowhere near that form and i think that sort of maybe the sort of release valve to the pressure and maybe we'll see her kick on now yeah, and if, I think if you think back to the way you know Christofferson let out that kind of absolute cry of relief mm. um, when you know when when he got back on that podium, obviously it was it was the top steps, it was that that bit more exhilarating. But you know when you know you can 
win races and score podiums and you're in you know 10th 15th 20th it must be absolutely infuriating because you know you can you can do it and it's just not quite clicking for you so um yeah really happy for her it's good like we said the more people there are competing for the podium places the, the better it makes the sport and uh like you said Vlahova this year just seems like she's got her technical skiing dialed in you know binning off the vast majority of the speed events is is definitely suiting her in, in that regard she might not win the overall but she's got a very good chance of taking home the the the, the kind of technical globes if she, if she can stay healthy and, and keep pushing shifting um but yeah she had a you know when people are worried about the course cutting up she looked absolutely fine um there was a a strange kind of set on the second run there was like an undergate near the top that people were taking really different lines through and I don't know if there was they tried to ice it or something there was one bit of the turn that was really slick and you kept seeing people go past with really wide feet where one foot had just shot away on yeah. the flat um and and everyone that ended up at the top like Catty Trooper I think on the on the slalom day as well had an absolute flyer of a second run ended up just off the podium but she just did not stop attacking the whole way down. And the same for Gizin, Leensberger and Vlahova, whereas other people that dropped a lot of places skied really defensively because they were worried about something happening. I think Perry Mozinski and Lawrence Saint-Germain were like just off podium places after the first run and just kind of almost a bit like you talked about, like you were worried about with Dave if he was near that top end, would he try and defend the position rather than try and go for the win? And it looks like that's what some of the women were doing yesterday. and when you see again Vlahova ski there's a reason she wins it's because yeah. she's trying to win at all times there's not a, a defensive posture about it even if she's got a second lead she's not going to take silly risks but she will attack and th- I think Charlie Guest might have been a slight victim of, of that on the second run she didn't she really attacked the first run and went from 27th into that I think 12th when she skied down but by the second time the second run started she was at like 14th yeah and it looked it looked like her absolute best and then the second run just from the moment she pushed out of the gate I didn't quite get that confidence from her skiing and it just it, it looked like it was just kind of trouble waiting to happen and got caught on her edges a couple of times and I was you know obviously take away the good bits that she's you know had an absolute flying first run but then you know hopefully learn from that second run and take that confidence with you into the next run yeah so it, yeah it's a bit of, it is a real shame because it did look like she was going to be um you know fighting fighting for a victory really uh, not sorry as well I got ahead of myself fighting for a <laughs> she was uh, she was on it wasn't she and I think she that first run she was skiing really nicely as well so oh yeah really well yeah, just a shame that just didn't quite come off for her. Hopefully she takes confidence in the fact that she was, yeah, inside the top 15 on that first run and was looking to fight on the second. A bit of a shame because it was not a sort of spectacular DNF. It was a bit of a unfortunate sort of body positioning that meant that she ended up on her backside. Um, but yeah, and then also just another quick shout out for Brits across the place. Reese Bell, uh, Martin Bell's daughter, Formula GB number one downhiller um she started her first ever world cup from i think she was bib 66 uh, and she went um she ended up not making the second run but she was only half a second off qualification so that's um you know a that's, big, a, that's a really good sign really, and, and really. similar similar to what we've seen with the, the the guys having that little squad of racers is really making them all improve and we talked about it with charlie and alex when she was skiing a bit of slalom as well had, had definitely made a bit of a difference to her. So if uh, uh, Reese can can do that as well, then brilliant. That's, that's the, the more Brits, the better. 
exactly. Um, shall we take a quick look at the men's racing in Bormio? What a program the men have just <laughs> downhillers and speed skiers have been on uh, over the last few days. The arrival day to Bormio was the evening of Christmas Day for a Boxing Day training run, uh, <laughs> which in itself is, um, yeah, really, really tricky. But um, Dominic Paris back winning and winning in style on that downhill uh, day one with Odomat surprise in second and Hinterman yet another podium in third. Um, Kilda sixth, Maya twelfth, Foyt's out. Um, lots of stuff to get our teeth into. Yeah, when was the last time Foyt skied out? I think you were 14, I think scrolling we were. a long way back. Uh, on scrolling a long way back on his race history to find it um that was yeah that was a really big surprise um i, I don't know if paris winning is a surprise anymore in bormio it's almost predicted well, the, the only thing to say is he, he probably hadn't shown that form too much this year but as we were looking through the results of all those other thousands of races it seems to have been in the last couple of weeks i did i did notice he kind of snuck into uh uh sixth i think in the super g and val gardena um so, you know, he did have a bit of speed and a fourth in, in the downhill. So although he hadn't done too much up to that point in the last week, it looks like he found a bit of his speed back on home snow. Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, Odomat coming second in the downhill, that's, you know. I kind of thought he'd done enough. And in commentary, I thought he'd done enough as well, because it was, um, he just, he absolutely bossed it, didn't he? I think he, did he take the lead from one of the Austrians? I, don't, I think it was. Um, no, it was killed. It was killed. So Kriegmeier had, had had the run first, where you weren't oh, yeah. really sure how good it was, but no one was anywhere near him. And then Kilda beat him by a couple hundreds, and you were like, "Oh, Kilda's done it." And then Odomat came down next, and absolutely destroyed him for like eight tenths. We're like, "Oh, okay, weird. Oh, Where'd well, that no, come from?" It? Yeah, I think I was thinking back to I think uh, Nick had mentioned on a previous commentary that. Um, Foyts and, and Odomat had been kind of either training or inspecting together and uh, and uh, they were giving each other tips. And I was like, OK, well, if this is how it works, Foyts needs to stop trying to do what Odomat's telling him and Odomat needs to start doing what Foyts is telling him because it's definitely working. Because uh, Foyts fallen over and Odomat coming second. I was like, fair enough. Right. OK. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, so I thought I thought he'd done enough, but um, apparently not. And uh, Dominic Paris, yeah, six, was that a sixth? sixth win yeah it's crazy it's crazy it was it just, i mean it really hard as well didn't it it did although like as you were saying on, on commentary it was a bit soft in places underfoot in comparison to normal um bormio conditions it wasn't quite as as bulletproof as as you would have liked but it's always a gnarly downhill like it's, it's never gonna be a nice cruisy uh getting your tuck and stay there for a few minutes one yeah I don't know. It's one of those. It's just yeah, relentless, re absolutely relentless from top to bottom. There's no, re there's no place to hide. Kilda was um, frustrated with how far off the pace he was, wasn't he? Uh, but nowhere near as frustrated as Matthias Mai would have been, having led the downhill program going into Bormio and then having to, and then relinquish it. Well, not having a choice, but relinquishing that lead in the standing. So yeah, it was um, an epic uh, event. The slope looked mega tough mega hard the races were talking about the training runs being like even harder than normal <laughs> um yeah so if you if you were these speed guys and you've had the training runs and racing in val gardena and then straight to Ormeo for that i think some of them might be glad that the the second super g was cancelled because 
their their bodies must be aching an awfully large amount right now. Yeah, because it's one of the it's the second longest downhill, and actually there's a bit of a um, there's a bit of a an old wives' tale slash uh, historical story about uh, twenty years ago. Supposedly, um, somebody said that um, one of the racers said that in the press that Bormio was harder than Kitzbühel. And so the next time that they raced in Kitzbühel a few weeks later, um, they'd basically made it ridiculously icy. They'd taken out a load of snow. They'd been on the, mach- on the, on the piece taking out snow and making it really bumpy. Um, and then uh, to, to prove that it was the hardest one. And actually now, and it says it in all the press stuff that we get delivered for the, um, the start of the race in Bormio, uh, about this story and it also says that nobody ever says that Bormio is harder than Kitzbühel anymore because the racers don't want Kitzbühel to turn around and go well you think that's hard want a bet <laughs> but yeah supposedly that's a thing and uh yeah yeah oh I dear believe, I can believe it at least in Kitzbühel it's got those hard sections but it's also got a bit of a break in the middle doesn't it whereas Bormio no breaks no breaks I mean, it's just tucking. Big deal. Shut, shut, <laughs> shut your face. Uh, okay, Super G. Super G. On to yesterday's Super G, the first of the two scheduled Super Gs, um, but turned out to be the only Super G, was Kilda back on that domination form, uh, picked up three back-to-back Super G wins. Now, Haase of the Austrians, surprise, surprise, from outside the... Uh, Top group started bib 25, ended up in second, pushing his teammate Kriegmeier down into third. Meyer down in uh, 13th. Pantero thought he'd chuck on the speed skis. 23rd. Paris, biggest surprise probably, 24th. He might have been a bit worse for wear from <laughs> the sixth consecutive or sixth ever or whatever it was. Ridiculous record of, of his Bormio legend. He's, yeah. he's, if he hasn't got a piece named after him by now, I think the entire run might be by the time he retires. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, an interesting decision on from, from Pantero. I, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, there were probably easier, more GS-type Super Gs he could try and pick up points at. It's a very technical Super G, though. I mean, I've not done it. I'll uh, defer to your uh, it is experience on that one. It is, um. it is a technical super G. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I think, and I said it in commentary a few times, going in cold, like not skiing on that snow, not, you know, lots of the other guys have been racing, doing all the training runs as well as the races. And yes, we talked about how tiring it is. So maybe it's, maybe it's a sensible decision but I kind of feel like if you're going to go in and race it at least do one of the training runs just to get a bit of a feel remind yourself of what that snow surface and the hills doing but um yeah didn't especially really if the off. last race he'd done before that was the slalom uh, yeah it really Madonna, did, so. didn't off, did it so but at that point he's already said that he wasn't going for the overall anymore he didn't come out and said it himself not you know no other people had written him off in terms of going for the overall as well but he he came out and said it himself so yeah frustratingly for him a little bit off the pace, but um, the Austrians have found a new guy, maybe. Yeah, and uh, again, some of the talk maybe gets a bit too far ahead of itself at this time of year with who's going to get picked in what Olympic teams and stuff. But once you're past Meyer and Creekmeyer, those next two spots are going to be hilarious in that yeah. men's speed team because obviously Max Franz previously, because he's got podium form in other years, maybe, and occasionally wins your training run. But then obviously you've got Haaser, um, and Streedinger kind of popping in a few podiums 
and, and things like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see who they end up going with. I mean, I can't because see, there's I, just, I don't know how just so past, much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you look past Hassa, if especially. I mean, the, the race that was cancelled today, the, sec, the second uh, Super G, they are going to try and reschedule it either in Wengen, which seems a bit odd because there's no Super G in Wengen ever anyway, um, or Kitzbühel because uh, obviously there is a Super G in Kitzbühel anyway. But obviously that program is already with a double downhill and a slalom already in there is quite a packed schedule already but who knows that would be the only real place in my books where, where it would end up going but um you know you can't you can't podium in a world cup and then not get taken to the olympic games i, I mean I, I just think not even the austrians can try and um talk their way around it yeah it's, i mean but you've got you know christian valdner yeah, but he's done Daniel Dankelmeyer, really, relatively slow on Stephen Babinski. Like, but they've got guys that have, like, in, at some point in the last couple of years, kind of shown something. Yeah, so but, yeah. you know, when you've only got four spots, you're like, right, cool, we're taking Meyer, Creekmeyer, and then we're just going to draw the rest of your names out of a hat. Well, the French, the French team, because I was chatting to Gies, Blaise Giesendana today, and he was saying that the French say, a bit cheeky name drop, like it. You want another one? <laughs> I've got a few names in my uh, my back pocket. Uh, no, I speak to him amongst many, many World Cup friends of mine. Huh. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It is a relevant story. Um, I was to, and he was saying that the French team say that it's the top ten is is Olympic qualification, but it's not like signed, sealed, delivered. In case there's multiple people that get top tens, but top ten uh, in the French mm -hmm. side of things is enough to. Um, book your ticket but obviously wait for selection before you say yeah i'm going to olympic games and then they go no not really <laughs> um, so for them but the, the austrians you know they run their own program anyway marcel probably be able, would have been able to tell us more but he's busy we can have a special selection podcast closer to this time marcel special um but yeah so we'll have plenty of olympic specials uh, but let's, um, I don't know, it is interesting and, and you can't get away from talking about the fact that we are, you know, that is the penultimate and could be the last Super G before the Olympic Games. So a lot of these guys putting their hands up, you know, and obviously some people ruining some chances by having a bad result going. So who knows on the selection front, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that, I think. But as I think we've babbled on long enough talking about about a billion races, um, this next set of races is nice and short. It is two slaloms, one for the ladies and one for the gentlemen. Um, Tuesday, the 4th of January for the women and Wednesday, the 5th for the men. Uh, Mid-afternoon racing, European time for some reason. No idea why it's an afternoon race, not a night race or a morning race. Just we'll have it in the afternoon, thank you. Uh, maybe so that people can get up, have a leisurely lunch and not have to be in bed too late as well. But um, what are your thoughts, Ben? Would you like to go first in the slalom or would you like to go first uh, in the men's slalom or the women's slalom? It depends on my picking for Marcel or myself. Um, last time we did this, I picked for Marcel and sent it to him after the podcast. Yeah, very I think he told you where to go, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did not agree with anything that I said. Uh, <laughs> um, the snow at Zagreb has been questionable at best the last couple of years, hasn't it? It really hasn't been <laughs> I hope this solid. warm weather that's in the Alps at the moment isn't over there. because Yeah, there's already talk of, of, of Maribor being moved again. Well, it's already uh, been confirmed today. No, Maribor. Oh, has it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are they moving it to 
Kranjskogora? They haven't. Or are they going to work out? Yeah, I don't think there's an awful lot of snow in Kranjskogora either. They have. They didn't say where it's going to be. They said that they are looking oh for an alternate venue. So I guess it'll be in Austria because the Austrians usually go. Oh, we will have it, yeah. <laughs> you can. I let you tell Marcel that one. Um, but no, so, he says uh, it. Well, he says it I guess, himself. Yeah, you know, it's, it's more that I always more the impression. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was my Marcel accent. <laughs> um, so the okay, so let's start with the women, the women's one. Um, do 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 we know what the protocols are for clearing COVID? Right. So, <laughs> like, basically, can we pick Schifrin? Is that what I'm I trying think, to ask? I think with um, so the the stuff that we've been told with COVID is that you test on arrival and arrival only from Fizz, which is why. Um, there was a lot of added pressure on Kilda and he actually talked about it between downhill and super G saying how he had to do an, a lot of extra media uh, around um, COVID because he tested negative on arrival and you only have to test from fizz for arrival. Um, and so Schifrin is going to go, my understanding and the stuff that we've been told is that she will be going to Croatia Um and so she's planning on going, yeah. Okay. Um, well, if she's still got it and doesn't pass her test, I guess we can pick someone else. Yeah, um, but um, I might, I might stick with, I might stick with Lahova. She's the, she's the hot hand at the moment. She probably yeah. most likely end up on, the, on, on the podium. Yeah, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to be obvious and go with Schifrin. And then if Schifrin doesn't do it, then I'll go Leonsberger probably. Um, and on the men's side. Terribly, terribly predictable, Clemmer Noel. Now, do we reckon that Zubchich could pull out something a bit special? Let's have a Slanem World Cup win. Bold Ben. I mean, I know you like. I your mean, picks, he's, 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 he's fifth in the standings um, of two I mean, races. By all means, Ben. I think actually, I haven't actually had a chance to do the uh, league table from this last set of races. So, but I. You know what? I fear you may be leading our little uh, trio. So the basement dweller is now in the penthouse. Is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> The student becomes the master. <laughs> I told you, I just start slow. And then I get on a roll and then the wheels fall off and I end up back in a basement. And then you, <laughs> then you start like, believing your own hype and, and picking these crazy people. You're like, yeah, they're definitely going to win. Like, um, like Zubchich winning uh, a slalom race for the first I was just thinking of like rubbish conditions. He'd be good in rubbish conditions. Because um, I feel like the likes of Fossolivag and Vinatza want it bulletproof. Well, you know who likes... might not ski. Who likes salty dead snow? According to uh, some some commentators I, I listen to occasionally, apparently all of the Norwegians they've trained. They, they, what do they, they do? love they, dead snow. They train a lot on the dead snow, don't they? Um, so yeah, I mean maybe. Do you reckon? Words in your mouth. You pick your own. You pick your own guy, mate. I'm, I'm going to do the same again then and ride the ride the hot hand of Fossolivag. All right, fair enough. Um, before we go, just bring you quickly up to date with the overall standings. Odomat is now leading by a gazillion points or 276 points in front of Kilda. Maya has plummeted and is now just under 300 points off the pace. Pantero is 423 points away from Odomat in fifth place. On the women's side, Schifrin still leads, but her um, advantage has been cut slightly with Goggia in second place, 93 points back. Uh, Vlahova, 135 points behind Schifrin. 
uh, and Lara Goot uh, has all but said goodbye to her chances as well as she is 10th and she is 452 points behind uh, Mikhail Gifrin. Um, has Odomat basically already won it? Uh, basically, he has already won it, yeah. But barring an absolute like tragic injury or something terrible like that, the way he's getting... Barring COVID, because COVID, you know, you could miss a couple of... Course, of yeah. Yeah, I guess. And and the Swiss have had a couple kind of bouts of, of COVID kind of run through various bits of their team in the last couple of years. So so that's a possibility. But but it, all things if he's all if he's racing, he's pick it like he's basically picking up podiums in GS and either podiums or almost podiums in Super Gs. Um so it doesn't really matter if he doesn't bother with the slaloms and you know no, picks be. and chooses his downhills or whatever along the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know how Kilda is not going to pick up more points on on him. That's a that's a fair chunk. To, he's not going to be able to overtake him unless he's no, just not one, in the race. With one more Super G, which obviously Kilda is in more form. Uh, downhill, you, you'd say they're relatively even, uh, which have got plenty more downhills going on. And all relatively even, but... Pit, um, Odomat's still going to pick up big points. And GS, we really haven't seen... Um, Killed his best GS for a long time, and he no. A couple of years ago, he was he oh, looked yeah. like he might have been a GS contender for for some races, didn't he? And then yeah. again, the injuries have taken their toll a bit. He did. He said in the interview after the Super G yesterday, after that Super G win, that he said, and some the, the reporter asked him about if was he looking at the overall, and he was like, "Well, you'll never stop looking at the overall." But he said he needs to start skiing more GS, and he needs to start picking up uh, podiums in GS if he wants to try and. Are you game. looking at it? Well, I'm second, so you know I'm never far away from looking at it. Uh, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> asking the person who's second in the overall, are you looking at the overall? Well, yeah. you know. that's something. I mean, to be honest, a couple of the questions they were chucking out, I've, I've no idea what they were doing. Uh, I think the reporter maybe needs to, I don't know, watch the race before ans- asking questions or, or what. So we will see if they, uh, yeah, hopefully ask some better questions. Uh, every single time that anyone talks to Kilder at the moment, basically all they want him to say is something about Schifrin. That seems to be, they just go fishing for a Schifrin comment. Eurosport were being a bit weird yesterday in as much as they kept cutting away to interviews with people in the middle of people's runs. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what's happening? We were, talk- we were talking to a Mat- uh, Mat- I think his first name is Matea Marsaglia. Yeah, oh, they were talking to Casse whilst Foyts was coming down. Foyts went into sixth, and we we're like, uh, "How about you save those interviews? <laughs> Not for one of the most successful speed racers of all time is skiing down the the slope." Yeah, I think they, it was almost like they got this new trick of having to be able to like split screen. Yeah. And went, "Oh, we'll just do split screen for everything, shall we?" Yeah, that's okay. that right. I, I'm just going to go sit in front of the side that's got Beat Foyts on it. Thanks. Um. <laughs> yeah, well. Let's let's hope that they get a little bit more sensible with when they do their, their on screen interviews. I mean, it's great to hear from the athletes, but pick a better time. Ben, anything to add before we shove off? Marcel, clean up that trophy. I want it ready for the end of the season. <laughs> oh snap! Uh, ben, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of you at home, and hopefully. We will have a better 2022. I haven't skied for so long. I've probably forgotten how to do it. Uh, Until next time. Bye for now.